Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. journeying through the nativity story and completing this nativity. When we began, there was no one in there, and we've gone through Mary and Joseph, and last week we did the angel, and now it's time for the shepherd. And the shepherds are a critical piece because they are the first from outside of the Holy Family to come and see. And in the scriptures, when we get to the shepherds, all of a sudden we have shifted from here to out in the countryside. We are no longer within Bethlehem, but we are outside of the city walls. We are now out where people are working late at night, keeping their flocks. They were actually living in the fields, so they probably did not have access to some of the things that we treasure so much like indoor plumbing and heating and air. But instead, they smelled like the flocks. They were dirty and grimy. They were reduced to living on whatever rations they could keep with them. And there they spent their time watching over this livestock. It was not glamorous. It was not something that was even well respected in that day. It was necessary. And that was about the extent of the appreciation that shepherds had. Because their flocks could be destructive. They could wander into other areas that were not to be eaten. They could decimate fields and eat the the produce that others were trying to produce for their own livelihood. And so shepherds at this point in Israel's history had gotten a little bit of bad rap. And I don't know how often you hang around sheep, but they're not actually the cleanest, prettiest animals you've ever seen in person. Uh, they, They can be if you want to wash them daily, but I'm sure the shepherds didn't. And so their lives were centered around this flock. And here they were, living their life on the night shift, hanging out, when all of a sudden the angels came and opened up a door of opportunity and said to them, you can go and see what God has done just now. God has come to us in Emmanuel. The fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies is available to you right now in a manger in the city of Bethlehem. And at that point, after the angels have shared this proclamation, this good news, and they've gone back up to heaven, the shepherds could have responded any number of ways. Probably the same number of ways that you and I have responded when God has opened up doors and given us opportunities. You know, that sounds really great, but I'm kind of busy. My calendar is really full. I have a lot of responsibility here. Are you going to come and watch all these sheep for me while I go? And other things, like, I'm not sure I want to see this. This might radically change things, and I'm kind of comfortable where I am now. I don't know that I'm really happy where I am now, but there's comfort here. And if I go and do this, Lord, something new might happen, and I'm not sure I'm ready for that. Or perhaps they could have just said, I'm too scared to do what you're asking. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like this is appropriate for me. Send someone else. But instead, their response is affirmative and immediate. Let us go now. And it says they went with haste. They didn't 
dawdle. They didn't say, you know what, give me a second. We're going to get all dressed up. We're getting ready to go see the living incarnation of God. Let's get a little prepared, and then we'll go. Instead, they simply walked away from everything. They left, just like the apostles will do when Jesus comes up to them and says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. And they do. They instantly walk away because the lesson here is that when God presents you with an opportunity, you must seize it. You must go. Go now with haste. And why? Because if they hadn't gone, if they had let their fears or their mind games or their hearts or their innards keep them from going, they would have missed the face of God. They would have forever regretted not going. And not only did they go and get the blessing, they were privileged to be the first to see Emmanuel, God with us. But then the scriptures are very clear that as they appeared there and they started to proclaim everything that had been told to them by the angels, Mary treasured all of these words. She pondered them in her heart. They would become a gift to her. They would be the blessing and a source of strength because Mary's journey has been hard. The scriptures come back around to Mary again. We started with Mary and then we went through and now we are back to Mary. And this has not been easy for her. This was not the way things should have gone for a young, devout Jewish woman. She was supposed to get married. She was supposed to have a family with her husband. She was supposed to be respected and applauded for taking her rightful place in society. And instead, she found herself pregnant, out of wedlock by the power of the Holy Spirit, and people would not hear that and would not receive it. And she found herself shunned and cast aside. Even Joseph had to be convinced in a dream not to leave her. And so she bore her first child, nine difficult months, an incredible journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, simply to be registered in the census. And after making that incredible journey, she gave birth to her first child in a stable. And she couldn't even provide for him what everyone sought for their child, the comfort and the stability of a cradle. Instead, they laid him where they feed the animals because that was the best they could do at that moment. And after all of this struggle and suffering and pain and heartache, God gives her a gift and some grimy, smelly, late-night visitors. God gives her the proclamation that all of that was worth it that everything that she had done, everything she had felt, everything she had suffered through to this point was worth it because they saw God in her child. They blessed her. And she's going to need that nugget of blessing. She's going to need it because as hard as it has been this last nine months, it's going to get worse. It's going to get hard to have a child who grows up and doesn't say and do the things that normal children do. A child who says, I feel more at home in the temple than I do with you, mom and dad. A child who will continue to speak prophetic, profound truth, much to the awe and anger of adults. 
a child who will not, at the age of 30, do what good Jewish men do, get married and take over Joseph's family business. Instead, he will say, it is time for me to go. And he will leave his mother and his brothers and his sisters, and he will go out into the wilderness to be tested and come back to begin his ministry. And for three long, hard, earthly years, she will watch as this child whom she has carried and nurtured and loved and given birth to will continue to astound the religious authorities. He will speak words that will make people angry. He will do things that are so miraculous and so awe-inspiring that people are terrified. The crowds will start to follow him, wanting more and more, and she becomes very concerned. The scriptures tell us that she and Jesus' siblings tried to stop him. They were so afraid for his safety. And she will wonder why. Why, after he triumphantly enters into Jerusalem, the holy city, why she is at the foot of the cross watching her child die. And in all of that, I have to wonder if she looks back and she says, I remember the night he was born when strangers came to me and told me that he was God and that he will be Emmanuel. And those moments, those moments where the shepherds could have gone and done their thing and ignored what they had been given, the opportunity, if they had not come and proclaimed to her just the truth. Here is what God said to us. Look what God has shown to us. God has given us this opportunity. If they had not done that, what would Mary cling to in her moment of desperation and need? What will carry her through as she watches her firstborn die for us? We in the church are given opportunities, and God gives them to us, and some of them seem more glamorous than others. But every single time, God presents us with an invitation to go and see, to be a part. We aren't just denying ourselves an encounter and an experience. We are denying someone else the opportunity to be blessed by God in us. Emmanuel is God with us. Christendom is God in us. And we are being given this gift to bear Christ to the world, to show the face of Jesus Christ, and to speak God's truth. It is incredible to say, this is where I've encountered Christ this day. This is what I see in you. God has sent me to you, and I don't know why, but I'm here. How can I help? What do you need? And at this time of the year, when the world is being bombarded by all kinds of conflicting messages, when the world is waiting to see what the church will say, because the world thinks this is the most wonderful time of the year. It's Easter, but that's a different sermon. The world waits to see what Christendom will say and do. That's why we as the church have to be more intentional now than any other time. It's requiring us to think beyond ourselves, our families, or what we or our families would even want. There is something very sacrificial about what the church does at Christmas. 
So this morning I got up and I think before six o'clock I posted that this was the beginning of this 48-hour eight worship service marathon and all morning long I've been getting text messages and Facebook messages about you crazy. You really, somebody even put on my Facebook, you really wrote seven different sermons. Well, I don't ever write anything, but yes, I have composed seven different messages because this is worth it. My response to one of my colleagues who said to me, you are absolutely nuts. Why would you bother doing this? Because you are worth it. Because serving alongside you and all of us having the opportunity to show the hospitality that was denied to our Lord and Savior, that is important. No one would give them a room. No one would welcome them in and give them the warmth of their companionship and their hospitality. But we will do that. Eight times we will do that. Because we have been given the gift of seeing Jesus Christ. And we may not be able to describe his earthly form, but we know his heart. We know his sacrifice. We know his grace and his forgiveness. And that is what we share every time we worship. We open up the door so that other people can come in. People who feel too unworthy to bask in the presence Do you think when Herod was born that they invited the shepherds? When Julius Caesar was crowned, were they allowed in? And yet here is God on high, the one true God in human form, and they were given the gift to come and see. We are just like that. We are those who say to God, we are not worthy, we have sinned, I don't even want to talk about how bad, Almighty God, we have sinned. We are not capable of being a vessel worthy of bearing the gospel, the good news, and blessing. And yet God looks at every single one of us and says, yes, you are. All of us have been given the gift of bearing Jesus Christ in this world. And every single one of us is needed to bear Jesus Christ in the world. Christ is too big for one person alone to carry. God didn't want Mary to do it alone. God ensured that Joseph would be with her. And then in her exhaustion after having given birth, God sent the shepherds to gird up her heart and to rekindle in her the passion that you have for bearing Christ in the world. And that is what we will do. The first time we had a Christmas Day service here was my first year here because Christmas fell on a Sunday. And people were saying, what are we going to do? Christmas is on a Sunday. So we worshiped. We had an 11 o'clock worship service, and we determined that we would do that. We had over 220 people show up for that worship service. And then the next year we said, well, Christmas isn't on Sunday anymore. Do we scrap it? No, we thought we'd let it ride. So we did it again, and we had almost 150 people the next year. So now, for the third time, we're going to offer Christmas Day worship at 11 o'clock. But what we discovered was that there were people who kept coming back that weren't part of our regular church family. They might not have been part of any church family. And they would come in, and they would you know, kind of be a little reserved, 
not really sure what was going to happen. And then you could watch, and their faces would erupt with smiles and joy, and they would start conversing and having connections. And then by the time they left, they would say, thank you, this is what I needed. And some of them even told us their stories, that they didn't have any family. They had nowhere to go. They were all alone, except for that one hour of worship. And so we worship. We worship because we come here to glorify God. But we also worship because God and God's miraculous working through the movement of the Holy Spirit is able to take our worship and make family. Can make a place for those who feel outcast, who feel unwanted and unworthy. For an hour, God can make this their kingdom. And so we do this. And so if you wake up on Christmas Day and you're thinking to yourself, it's almost 11 o'clock. And maybe, just maybe, I could go and worship. Maybe you could. Maybe you could come and you could be a brother or a sister or a mother or a father or a child to someone who has no one else. Maybe you could come and manifest what it is to be so in love with a God who has given you everything that it's time for us to proclaim that all are welcome here. That's what it means to worship at Christmas. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we struggle to continue to go on to perfection liturgically. Why we don't just go, you know, one or two services would have been fine. God deserves unending worship. And the scriptures tell us that in the kingdom to come, that's what God will have, unending worship. So if you don't like worship, you're going to have to talk to Jesus. But there is something wonderful about what happens in worship, that people can come and be loved purely because they are gods. And we strive to make that happen because God dared to give us a place in God's home. And we don't show gratitude for that by making sure that there's no room for anyone else in this inn. Instead, we fling wide the portals, we open our hearts, and we prop open the doors, and we welcome all of God's children in here. May that be the transformative encounter that many will have. Over 1,000 people will encounter Jesus Christ in this building in the next 48 hours. What greater gift could we give our Lord and Savior on the annual celebration of his birth than to give the hospitality that was denied to he and his family and to show the world that there is something greater than division, there is something greater than human sin and the evil that we give birth to, there is something greater than apathy, and that is the love of Jesus Christ. May that testimony ring in the hearts of all those who dare to enter in and encounter the living God here, in you and with you this year. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org. 
to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.